and give us time of fellowship with one another, encouraging one another in your truth and your power and your purpose for us. For it is through doing your purpose that we are the most fulfilled. That is some wisdom and understanding for all you do and rest in your provision. Amen.
experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your
You know, I love what it says in the beginning of the book of John. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made through the Word. And all things that were made, nothing was made that was not made through Him. And in Him there is a light of life. And when the light casts out, darkness shall not overcome it. And that Word is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 24... He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. And that's the word's word, right? Because Jesus is the word, and he says, my words will remain forever. So we got the word, and we have his words. And it's so good to know that in a culture that is so lost in confusion, that we don't stand in a grayness, that we have absolute truth because we know the word himself and his words amongst all the chaos and culture and what this world will throw at us will never pass away all opinions all strife all anger all confusion will pass away but the word that god has cast forth since he breathed the universe into existence will continue forever and that word brings life to us and so father i thank you for your word lord i thank you for the power that comes in the name of your son, Jesus. Lord, that from the beginning you were, and all things were created from you and for you and because of you. And Lord, I pray that as we get into your word this morning, God, that you would bring life to this church, that you would open our eyes to understand the revelation of who you are. God, as we look into kingdom and culture, I pray that you would speak through Floyd. God, that there wouldn't be any confusion, that there'd be clarity as we dive in, Lord. And above all else, be glorified in this place. It's holy for you alone, our King of this place. We thank you for the teachers, Lord, that are going to teach our kids. We pray that you would give them patience, give them clarity of your word, God. We thank you for every person that pours out. Just 
fill them up as they pour out this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. Uh, we have announcements in the bulletin if you guys want to know what's going on. Um, also, my wife, who is in Kids Church, uh, she told me that we need four helpers still for the classrooms. Um, so if you want to actually come and talk to me, I'm going to be at the back door afterwards. I can plug you into a classroom. But we definitely need four people to say that they'd be willing to help out in class this morning. That would be great. Um, and on that note, if you want to stand with us, we're going to continue to worship. I'll be at the back door. If you guys have kids, you can bring them to Kids Church at this time. Thank you for being here.
Sometimes the hardest part is going through it alone. Um, that's a video of our new ministry that's just started here um, this past week. And um, it's uh, um, mainly headed up by Angela. She says, our vision for Embrace Grace is for every girl with an unplanned pregnancy to have a church to go, for, to, go to for spiritual, emotional, and physical support. Our mission is to inspire and equip the church to love on single and pregnant girls. And Embrace Grace will be starting in September. For more information, please see Angela or pick up a flyer. It's out there by the donuts. So thank you, Lord, for that awesome ministry. Yes, amen. Wow, that, uh, that worship, it reminded me of the fact that when Jesus was crucified, uh, there was a temple. It was called Herod's Temple. And in the temple, there was a veil that separated the, um, it, it, it separated the holy place from, from the uh, inner court. And that veil was like seven inches thick, the fabric. But when Jesus was crucified, that veil was ripped from top to bottom. And I mean, it was like, God was having, from that point, from the point of that cross, God achieved access to man and man to God. And we were singing that song, and I was like, oh, man, the veil's open, Lord. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Josh, Ginger, Mariah, all you guys, Joel. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Just absolutely blessed. Thank you, Lord. Um, okay, we're going to take up offering if we're ready. And I just want to tell you that the uh, generosity of Friends Church is on the rise, okay? And, and you know, I think that what happens is the, the greater our faith becomes, the less we calculate with our natural mind and we begin to just flow in the spirit. Or just, you know, I mean, every once in a while, I just write that check. I don't even think about it. I just give. And, and so, Lord, with that in mind, with, with the faith that you're building within us, that you are the potentate of time and eternity, our lives are in your hands. Our future belongs to you. Lord, you have planned it out, and you have predestined us, Lord, to walk with you, to be covered by you, to be our security and our provision every step of the way. And Lord, so with that in mind, we give you our offering this morning, not to Friends Church, but to you directly, Lord. We, we put it into, by faith, we put it into your hands. In Jesus' name, we ask you to bless it. Amen. Um, I was sitting over there, and this verse came to me, and it says, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left to another people, 
but it will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. And that's the kingdom we want to talk about this morning. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in this series on the kingdom of God and culture. And so I thought we could begin by um, uh, defining that word kingdom. And, and not so much on the, uh, on the Greek or Hebrew or whatever, but, but a little bit more in terms of what is revealed about it uh, through the scriptures. And I would say, I would put it this way, it's divided into two parts, king and dome. King represents the rule of the king, the government of this kingdom. And the dome represents domain or land. And every nation has those two components. They have government and land. If they do not have government but have land, it's really not a nation. And if they have, uh, if they have land but no government, that's not a nation either. But that's what the two elementary components are of every nation and of the kingdom of God. And uh, if you look in your notes, um, I wrote in there, Jesus is our Lord and King. And as we walk with him, we experience the benefits of his rule in our lives. And namely, that is the land. In other words, when we come under the government of God, we then participate and receive the land or the dominion of God, which are God's blessing and our inheritance. In other words, as we come under his kingship, we are given salvation, dominion, and productivity. Kingship, land. And this was the original mandate in the Garden of Eden given to Adam and Eve right after, or at some point after they were created. And it says in Genesis, if you look at your notes, it says Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created man, Adam and Eve. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So this a mandate is, has two components. It's a command and an authorization. And that's exactly what we have here. We have God commanding them to be fruitful and multiply and authorize to subdue and to rule over the earth. Uh, I looked these words up and the, the, the be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth basically means to make full, to put into as much as can be held, to occupy to the full capacity, supply plentifully, or to be plentiful throughout. Fruitful, abundant, prolific growth to increase and abound. That's what I mean by productivity. Secondly, dominion, subdue it and have dominion, means to subjugate, to bring under complete control or subjection, conquer, master, to reign over. And that's what Adam and Eve had in the beginning. But as you know, 
Adam disobeyed God and broke a commandment of his when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I won't go into all of that. But basically to say that when he and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the whole thing fell. Man fell and everything after him fell. And so what we have is this situation that exists on the earth right now. And it all stems and comes from the original fall of the first man who was given this mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion to reign over the earth. But he lost all of that through disobedience. And, and that's, what I'm, that's what we're looking at here on this board. Here's Adam in the garden, and here is the fall. And I'll get to that other thing in just a second here. But it summarized what we're talking about. It's important to go back to what the original mandate was. Okay? And, and it's, the fall is summarized here in Romans 5.12. It's in your notes. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. So that every person born is, has this inheritance from Adam in which they are born dead. And we don't really often think about it that way. I mean, we just see people, some are saved, some aren't saved. But really, in actual fact, there are only two types of people on the earth right now. The living and the dead. Those that are dead without the life of God within them. Those that are dead and have not the spirit of God. And so they're dead in trespasses and sins, and that's exactly what Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, we've looked at it before, so I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on it, but it says of, of, the, of the church, you were dead in trespasses and sins. And it says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. I like that, formerly walked according to the course of this world. Hopefully we're not walking according to the course of this world or according to our culture in many respects. And then it says, according, not only according to the course or the path of this world, the philosophy, the mindset, the values of this world, but also it's according to the prince of the power of the air. And what is that? That is the worldwide demonic kingdom of darkness. And according to the prince of the power of the air is the, the governmental structure, that's what's being referred to here, of this kingdom. And the course of this world is determined by the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now is working in the sons of disobedience. So there is a kingdom of darkness over this world of those who are dead in trespasses and sins. And there's an influence that is being brought upon them in such a way that they're walking in accordance with the prince of the power of the air. And that's what constitutes the course of this world. 
And it says, among them we too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. All we too all formerly lived in this way, and were by nature, were by nature the children of wrath. And that's really important. We're going to get into that in a little bit here. I just want you to remember that we were, by nature, the children of wrath. And then 1 John 5, 19 says, The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In other words, under the influence. When this happened... Everyone came under that influence. And it has created a course for the entire world to walk in. And the prince of the power of the air became the primary influence of those who are dead in trespasses and sins. And the result is sin, sickness, demons, death, and curse. The definition of the word culture is the total of the inherited. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of it as being inherited. But in actual fact, that is a very scriptural truth. Is it not? The total of the inherited ideas, beliefs, values, and knowledge which constitute the shared basis of social action. Last time I was up here, I was talking about those who are earth only. And that's exactly what it is when when people are dead in their trespasses and sin. They are earth only. They do not have a revelation of God. They have no spiritual perception by which they they can see the Lord and enjoy Him and fellowship with Him and have intimacy with Him and receive an understanding of this whole this whole picture, this whole, this whole history of mankind the way we do. We have an entirely different perspective of world history and our current condition. And, and I just wrote down a quick sort of flash through my mind a number of results, a number of consequences, a number of effects of this entire thing that I'm describing just to give you a sample. Legionnaire's disease, pride, ISIS, human trafficking, witchcraft, prisons, shootings, cancer, Kim Jong-un, who's the dictator of North Korea, he's, he's in it, bullying, PTSD, tornadoes. There's there's the some interesting verses that talk about how the corruption of of man affects nature. Hypocrisy, crack cocaine, adultery, corrupt government, porn, and teenage drinking. And the reason that most of you in this room locked your car door before you came in here. But it says in Matthew 13, 44, 
that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which when a man found and hid again, and from joy, from joy, from incredible joy, over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And, and my point is this. If we understood, if we realized, if we could see, if we really had a revelation of the kingdom of heaven, we would respond like this video clip that I want to show you right now. That, this is just a picture. They see what's going on there, and, and instantly they get this, this gigantic bomb blast of chemicals into their brain. They're super high into this euphoric thing. And that's what the kingdom should do for us. And I'm just here today to tell you that, that all of that mess from Adam, the whole thing, is reversed when Publishers Clearing House comes to your door. No, no, not that. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got off base here a little bit. I was kind of caught up with the video. Okay. No. No, no. The kingdom of God is like a treasure. Wow. And you know, the Bible says, I I mean, we don't, we don't, I don't see it. I don't see it like that. But I should be seeing it like that. And once in a while I get a glimpse, and it is like that, but, but there's far, far more than we have ever imagined. I see this over and over. We've just scratched the surface of this thing. And even I'm up here preaching this message and I have to tell you, I don't hardly know what I'm talking about. God's beginning to reveal it because he has said, I have granted you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's been granted to us to know these things. And so how are we going to find out? How are we going to discover these things? We have to be like little children. We have to be like Lucy going through the wardrobe door. We can't be experts. I, that word about being children has been one of the most pervasive thoughts in my mind since January. It's over and over. 
God, you say, be a child, boy, be a child. You're not an expert. Just be a child. Just open my word and take it at face value. We need to take the word of God. We need to take this book and read it like we've never read it before. We need to open our minds. There's so much crazy doctrine and and rational, natural reasoning that, that, that minimizes this thing, that reduces it, that diminishes the real impact of it. And that's exactly what we talked about last week. When the word comes, immediately Satan comes to steal the word. And other things crowd in, and, 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 and there are afflictions and, and things that wound us, and it changes our thinking about this word. Weeds grow in and choke the word within us. But God wants to raise up you to be a seeker of God and say, God, oh God, show us your kingdom. Help us to receive your kingdom. Help us to understand what it is. And how can we qualify and receive it. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The first thing is that has to happen is salvation. The, we, we were dead in trespasses and sins. It, it wasn't just, okay, I'm going to restore pro, uh, dominion and productivity. No, we have to go through salvation, first of all, because we're not where Adam was. We're in a, far, we're in a whole messed up state, and we need to be saved. And, and the word salvation... Um, well, let me say this. Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. And, and, and the word save there is sozo, and it's so awesome. It means to rescue from danger or destruction, to make well, heal, restore to health, deliver, or protect, literally or physically, to preserve, to do well, to be or make whole. Paul said that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I don't care what happens on the outside. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I can have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? When you have righteousness, peace, and joy in your heart, you can think clearly. You start to get God's thoughts. You start to... You, you start to weed out all the end times fear-producing elements and realize that no matter what happens, God is with you. He's for you. He's in you, and he wants to go through you. That's what this is all about. But he wants to save us. Listen to this. 1 John 3 The Son of God, the Son of God, we're talking about Jesus, it says he appeared for this purpose, and we talked about how Adam fell, and there's this whole whole inheritance of death and being dead in trespasses and sins and then not only that but another layer of the influence of the kingdom of darkness and all the wreckage that takes place 
But, it, Jesus, but, it, but the Apostle John said that Jesus appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. When he, when he preached his first message, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To those who are living in some level of insufficiency, as wrecking their lives, their children are suffering, and whatever else is happening. Preach the gospel to the poor. To proclaim release to the captives. Those who have been bound by demonic entities. Recovery of sight to the blind. I believe in divine help. I really do. Set free the oppressed. Set free those who have this oppression over their minds and hearts that keeps, them, keeps a lid on their life and pushing down upon them and, and just debilitating their ability to think and to live and to thrive. And there are some people that are going to be listening to this message online or in this room right now. You're oppressed. And Jesus wants to set you free. And he, wanted to, he came to proclaim the year of favor. The favorable year of the Lord. The year of release. This is what it's all about. We're still in that year of release. Acts 10.38 talks about how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Paul said that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God in Christ. And once you have that righteousness of God in Christ, it releases the power. Everything flows from the cross. So, what about this restoration of, of all of this? What's, what's going to happen here? We just go down, down, down and continue? What's happened is, is through the cross, Jesus has come to bring us salvation. And secondly, to reinstitute the original mandate to take dominion, to, to have dominion, to reign. Romans 5.17 says, those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through one, Jesus Christ. So there's a reigning that has to do with the kingdom. Now, this is going to stretch your, you know, this is where we need to read it for the first time. Take out all the interpretations, all the doctrinal stuff, and just read it at face value. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. And what did he say? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all the nations. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's what he said? Because he did say that. And that is our commission. But that's not all of our commission. Because what he said was, It says, he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority and commanded them. So he commanded and he authorized them for what? He gave them authority over unclean spirits. 
to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. These 12 Jesus sent out and he said, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. It's an, it's a, it's an act of reigning and dominion that we, we tear off this influence of the kingdom of darkness off of people's lives. When they're oppressed, when they're captive, we have been authorized. Jesus said, if I cast out demons, and by the way, there's a lot of demons that need to be cast out. Our city has a lot of demonized people. But we don't see a whole lot of that going on, do we? And why is that? Maybe it's because we haven't fully entered and haven't fully received the kingdom. Because this is all about the kingdom of heaven. Okay? But he said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So we have dominion, and then we also have productivity. What did, what did Jesus say about fruitfulness? He said, my father is glorified in this. My father is glorified. It's not just, it's not just a wonderful experience for us, but it glorifies the father. What glorifies the father? By this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. The proof of discipleship is fruitfulness and productivity. And it's beyond what could naturally happen or be produced by the energies of our natural mind and person. I mean, our natural energies. It's 30, 60, and 100 fold. It's like, wow, mind-blowing productivity. That's the kingdom. And that glorifies the Father. Now, what I want to do right this moment is now kind of shift gears a little bit because I feel like there are certain things that hinder us from our experiencing the kingdom, okay? And I have it here. It's like two, it's like, uh, this is like a road, right here, with two ditches. And I couldn't really, uh, I didn't want to mess this up in the first service, so I kind of left it. But, and now I discovered I, I left my marking pen. If somebody could get me uh, like a red uh, easel marker, and then I can be more um, expressive here. But um, I want to look at the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son. I think most of you are, 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 know the story. Uh, a father had two sons, one younger, which was called the prodigal son, and one older son. And uh, the younger one came to him and he said, distribute to me my share of the estate, my inheritance. And so the father, now listen to this, this is important, and I didn't notice this until just recently. The father divided to them his inheritance. So in other words, he gave the younger son his, and he also gave the elder son, his. And so what happened was the younger son went out and squandered his estate on what the scripture says is 
uh, riotous living or, or loose living, which means interpreted drug, sex, and rock and roll. He went out and just blew it. And so he finally, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so he finally came to his senses because he ran out of money and he was in the pig pen. And so he, he came to his senses and, and he had so you know, he thought, man, you know, my, my dad's servants are better off than this. You know, my dad, you know, I gotta go, I gotta go back home. And so he, he, he kind of thought it over and he said, um, I'll get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no worthy, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Okay? And so he came running back and he started to get his story out, and the father just grabbed him and hugged him and gave him a robe and a ring and new sandals and had a set up a whole party, and man, everybody was in full party mode. And the elder son came home and he's like, what? What's going on here? Oh, your, your, your brother came home and now your, your dad's giving him a big party. And he was like ticked immediately. And, and so here's his response. The father was trying to get him to come in and, and it says, but the elder brother, the older brother uh, answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you never gave me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Now, the two brothers had the same problem in terms of the inheritance. And the problem, and this is the problem that we have, and this is why God wants to, to, to put his word so deeply into, it, into us, and we have to, like Jesus said, when he said the kingdom is coming, he said, repent and believe. So we have to repent, which means we have to change these neural pathways, these old ways of thinking, and I want to tell you that the world itself, the whole matrix, as I like to call it, which is the kingdom of darkness and all its influence and culture and everything, is completely performance-oriented in terms of blessing, inheritance, kingdom, everything. I mean, that's the way it would work out. And to a large degree, that is the thing that is one of the major things that has to happen in our minds. We have to get, we have to renew our minds and we have to repent and get our minds to agree with God's mind. And, and this is God's mind right here. He wrote it down so you wouldn't be under any kind of just subjective emotional experience. It's in black and white. And so... Here's what I'm talking about. The younger son was over here. Unrighteousness, insufficiency, evil works. And he was, he was saying that, oh boy. <laughs> Let me try it again. Unworthy. 
He was unworthy because his performance was not where he thought it needed to be to be worthy. And the elder son had the same problem, only the other side of the coin, and that was, I'm worthy. I'm worthy because of my righteousness, which is produced by my self-sufficiency, which really ends up being dead works. Dead works are what qualify us in our own selves, what we do to qualify ourselves for, for answered prayer, favor of God, blessings, inheritance, healing, prosperity, and anything else we want to pray about. And it's no wonder if it's on that basis in our minds, we need to repent. Because in both cases, the unworthiness and the self-worthiness, there is a... Thanks. I could try it. Is, this is what's going on. We are diminishing... You need to, you need to try it out. <laughs> Try it one more time. And go and, and try it out before you bring it up. You know, you know, now that just diminished my point. Right there. But but listen, let's go over this again. The unworthiness and the self-worthiness. In other words, I'm worthy, I'm not worthy, but they're both based on performance. It's a performance mindset from both sons. And that's what we've been wired to think. It's very, especially in American culture, it is so difficult to receive something of such enormous magnitude for free. Not that it didn't cost God something, but it didn't cost me anything. Freely you have received, freely give. That's what the scripture says. And I'm telling you, we have to learn how to receive freedom. And not associate inheritance, kingdom of God, answered prayer, favor of God with performance. Okay, thank you. (laughs) Give him a hand. That's persistence. Thankful. Bless you, brother. So, and also, you know, I mean, there's a horrible attitude over here. There's self, self-righteous, superior judgment. That's still pretty thin. All right, never mind. I give up. So, this is a real problem over here with the elder brother. He has contempt and disdain for his younger brother. And that's what pride and self-sufficiency create in people. We look down on other people. And if you have contempt for another person, then that is a clear indication of your own self-righteousness. It's almost like a litmus paper test. When you start looking down at somebody else, you know that you've got a problem that needs to be resolved in your own heart. 
And I want to read a, a significant verse that applies to this brother and applies to us. And, and it comes out of Galatians 5, 1 to 4. And I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase it in a way that will extract a, a little bit of, of confusion out of it and, and just give it to you exactly the way it's, what, what is being said here, what is being meant by these verses. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Free from, from all of this, okay? And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage of law performance and self-sufficiency, okay? Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. In other words, if you fall back into self-sufficiency and performance... You didn't test it? Okay, okay. All right, let's see. I'm going to try this. Oh, okay. I got a whole desk full of markers up here. Okay, so, um, all right, listen now, listen. In other words, if you fall back into self-sufficiency and performance, you will have fallen from grace You have severed yourself from Christ, and therefore Christ will be of no profit to you. Christ will profit you nothing. He will be of no benefit to you. That is a pretty heavy-duty statement by the Apostle Paul. So we really need to take those words to heart. Colossians 1.12 says that the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. And, and how, how could that be? It's through this. It's through the cross. It's through the cross. And that's why I say, if, if we're walking in that self-sufficiency, just that, I mean, they're, they're like hidden attitudes and things in our hearts that we're not even aware of. And then, but if I say this to you, perhaps you'll, you'll, you'll see yourself in it. And, you know, it's one of the primary objectives of the devil to keep you in that mindset. Obviously, for the reasons that I've stated, and also for the fact that he is called the accuser of the brethren. And what is the basis of his accusation? Is it this, or is it right here? It's right here. He's accusing us based on our performance, on our track record. And so we come under condemnation. Because we've diminished the cross. Okay, quickly. The second thing that I want to address is identity. And this is really key. Who and what are you? How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17.9 that... The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you see yourself that way? Do you see yourself as corrupt to the core? Let me read you another verse. Ezekiel 36. This is a future prophetic word. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. So what's it going to be? Let me tell you what, this is like, 
This is the way it is. This is you, dead in trespasses and sins, Adam. God took a nation from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, made a nation out of them, and entered into a covenant. And what he did was, insult, because they continued to sin endlessly, he, he instituted this program where by the blood and bulls of goats, there would be an atonement, which means a covering. And the New Testament, it is not actually doctrinally correct to say that Jesus has made an atonement for our sins because the word atonement means simply a covering. What Jesus has done is made a propitiation for our sins, which is the total satisfaction of all wrong and all... In other words, it's like this expression, you probably heard it, um, in the righteousness of God, we are just as if we'd never sinned. It's also true that it's just as if we'd always obeyed. And that is this. The difference is, this is Moses, and, and there was no change to anything. The humans were, you know, all these, all these, these people in the nation of Israel were not changed, but they were given all these laws, and they were given the bull, blood of bulls and goats. But here's the New Testament. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you are justified apart from works. Solely by the sacrifice and the offering of the body of Jesus. Hebrews says that we are sanctified and perfected by the offering of the body of Jesus. And God, by his spirit, has come into us, and now we are in a union with Jesus. And that's making all the difference. And, but I, ought to, I have to ask you, are you sanctified by the offering? Are you a holy temple? Are you, do you see yourself as a royal priesthood, a holy temple? Or do you see that you're dead, you're still dead, you're corrupt to the core. Because, let me ask you this, do you think that the way that you see yourself is going to affect the final outcome of who you become in Christ and how much you achieve in this life? Do you think that makes a difference? I think it makes a huge difference. And, And personally, I'm going with this. I am a new, if any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, a son and daughter of God, if anyone be in Christ, you are a new creation. You are a new species of being. But Floyd, wait a minute, Floyd, what about all these thoughts that I have and all this struggle and all these lusts that kind of come up out of my, you know, from where I don't know what. If, If this is true, then why is all that? Well, let me tell you why. Because when you got born again, when you were born from above, when you were filled with God's spirit, when God made you righteous from the inside out, you still had all the old memories, all the neural pathways, everything was still in your mind, all the wounds, all the everything, everything that you'd ever thought, and even more stuff coming in from all over the planet that is trying to draw you in that direction because your brain's still working in the same way it did. But that's why God says, don't be conformed to this world, but but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the truth. That's what's got to happen. 
And there's a cool thing that they have discovered. The scientists have been able, through all this technology, to look inside the brain, and they can actually see neural pathways. And, and they, have, they come up with this term, neuroplasticity, which means that the brain is in continual state of regeneration, and new neural pathways can be carved in your mind that will change how you behave and how you perform. So if we see ourselves the way God sees us, I believe it's going to make a huge difference in our lives. And, and I'm talking fundamental, deep reprogramming of our natural, carnal, religious, matrix mindsets. So, listen, you guys. Father, we want to we ask you that Lord, you would reveal your kingdom to us. Oh, God, let your spirit come upon us. Draw us into the secret place, oh, God, with you. Take your word and, like Luke 24, cause us to understand. And not just in our natural thinking, but, God, by revelation. Let the wisdom of God enter into our minds, your thoughts, your perspectives. And Lord, help us to root out the strongholds that have been developed over time, the habits, the, the carnal ways that we think, oh God. Let us set our minds on things above, like your, your, your word says, not on things in the earth. And God, let us behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. It's progressive. It's a progressive thing. Don't be discouraged. And I left you some, so a couple of points in your notes there. And, and, and I want you to know this. There is no sin that you cannot overcome. Just read your notes. It's right in there. We're overcomers through the blood of the Lamb and the power of the Holy Spirit and His Word. And I really want to say, don't don't miss church next week. Eric's going to talk about something fantastic concerning the kingdom. He's already shared a little bit with me. And I mean, God is giving us stuff, you know. That's what He's doing. And it's for a purpose. And, and so I, for one, want to get everything that he is giving us right now. All of this manna from heaven to help me renew my mind and make something out of my life. Not me, but God in me, okay? So God bless you. Amen.
blessed week.